Hello, and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and businesses that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be discussing an organization known as Focus on the Family. Now, Focus on the Family is known for being a fundamentalist Christian organization that promotes social conservative views. In other words, they promote creationism, abstinence-only sex education, adoption only by heterosexuals, school prayer, traditional gender roles, and then they lobby against LGBTQ rights. Now, before we get any further, I want to say that I know not all Christians agree with Focus on the Family. And I'm not about to start making videos on every church I disagree with or anything. People are absolutely entitled to their own beliefs. However, aside from the requests on this particular topic, one 2013 instance is what got me really upset with them. This one statement from the president and CEO himself, the New York Times writes, As the president and chief executive of Focus on the Family, Mr. Daly oversees a Christian ministry with an annual budget of $98 million, a paid staff of 655, and a fervently conservative view of the Bible and American social issues. Seated beside a philosophy professor at the university, Mr. Daly faced an audience of about 125 students and faculty members, some carrying protest signs, focus isn't my family, no hate, lesbian honest, who am I hurting by loving a girl? For the next hour, through alternating moments of contrition and contention, Mr. Daly continued what has been the signal initiative of his term at the evangelical group, transforming an organization associated with the divisive strife of the culture wars into one that invites civil dialogue with its religious and ideological foes. Mr. Daly did not come to the campus here to retreat from Focus's opposition to same-sex marriage, which was largely the topic of the event, but to turn down the rhetorical temperature on the debate. We've created an animosity, he said, in one emblematic moment of self-criticism. We've said we hate the sin and love the sinner, but when you peel it back, sometimes we hated the sinner too, and that's not the gospel. Regardless of whether his tone won over every listener, and it surely did not, Mr. Daly had succeeded in differentiating himself from an earlier generation of Christian leaders like Jerry Falwell, Pat Robinson, Gary Bauer, and Donald E. Wilman, who made their fame and notoriety alike in the battles around abortion and homosexuality. Focus on the family, even by Daly's own admission, hasn't been built on loving values, but hateful ones. He knows they've created animosity against them and rightfully so. And yet Focus on the family only seemed to recognize this in 2013, perhaps when their message started to face some backlash. Now, I don't wanna get too far ahead of myself here, but I think it's pretty telling when an organization's president and CEO even admits that they've been hateful. At the same time, he's still condemning same-sex marriage. Needless to say, I know this introduction is way too long already, but I wanted to shed a little bit of insight on why I'm covering them today. They truly are a pretty damn hateful organization and believe me, we will get there. But for now, let's start by taking a look at Focus on the Family's history. Focus on the Family was actually founded as a radio program in 1977 in Arcadia, California by the American evangelical Christian and psychologist, James Dobson. According to Britannica, the organization grew to include daily and weekly radio broadcasts and launched a print magazine in 1983, a syndicated newspaper column authored by Dobson in 1992, a website in 1997, and subsidiary ministries in countries throughout the world. 
Dobson retired as president of the group in 2003, but continued as chairman of the board of directors until 2009. Jim Daly, the current president and CEO I mentioned, started his career at Focus on the Family as an assistant to the president in public affairs back in 1989. When Dobson retired, Donald P. Hodel took over and in 2005, Hodel retired and left Daly in charge. So most of what we're discussing today happened under Daly's leadership. Now, make no mistake, when Dobson retired and even stepped down as chairman, it wasn't because the organization he created had strayed from the vision he intended. I know we've been through this before, like with the Wounded Warrior Project, where the founder feels that the charity or organization they created has twisted, so they leave. But that's not the case here. Dobson always wanted focus on the family to be about conservative values, as well as, quote, holding politicians' feet to the fire on issues like abortion, traditional marriage, and school vouchers, end quote. Dobson left because he felt that Daly had the position of the company president for too long, and he disagreed with it. As far as for what Focus on the Family claims to be about, their website states the following. Focus on the Family is a global Christian ministry dedicated to helping families thrive. We provide help and resources for couples to build healthy marriages that reflect God's design, and for parents to raise their children according to morals and values grounded in biblical principles. We're here to come alongside families with the relevance and grace at each stage of their journey. We support families as they speak to teach their children about God and his beautiful design for the family, protect themselves from the harmful influences of culture and equip themselves to make a greater difference in the lives of those around them. No matter who you are, what you're going through or what challenges your family may be facing, we're here to help with practical resources like our 1-800-FAMILY-HELPLINE, counseling, and websites. We're committed to providing trustworthy biblical guidance and support. Their arguments for marriage only being between a man and a woman are posted on their site, their statements of faith, all that stuff. I mean, obviously I don't agree with that. I think anyone who's watched me or listened to me for a while knows that I very much support the LGBTQ plus community. So I understand that I can come off as a bit biased here. And by biased, I mean just supporting human rights, but you know, a bias. And I'm also of the mindset that even if you don't agree with gay marriage, one belief system should not dictate human rights, marriage rights, healthcare rights of an entire group of people just because they don't believe in the thing that you do. Another source goes through the timeline of Focus on the Family and states that their message was built on a foundation of James Dobson's best-selling book, Dare to Discipline in 1970. Dobson even left Children's Hospital in LA to found Focus on the Family. So he wasn't unknown before this even began. Dare to Discipline, as the title suggests, is about encouraging parents to use corporal or physical punishment on their children. So maybe it's best that he you know, left a children's hospital. But anyway, by 1993, 15,000 people attended the dedication of a 45 acre Briargate campus, though they were interrupted by activists from, and yes, this is the name, the Lesbian Avengers, which damn, that's cool. Their webzine launched in 1998. They had 1 million visitors uh, to the Focus Welcome Center in 2000. Like you get the picture. Focus on the family had grown pretty rapidly considering they only made the move to Colorado Springs and began hiring people in the early 90s. Yet within a decade, they truly made a name for themselves. But around this time, their actions also started to get far more questionable. I'm going to try and stick to some kind of chronological order here, but mostly I'm just going to go one section at a time and focus on each of their actions and beliefs. We're going to start with their Option Ultrasound program, which began in 2004. The focus on the family's Option Ultrasound program was to create a bonding opportunity for pregnant mothers. 
In 2011, the Denver Post published an article that stated, ministry officials say an estimated 100,000 babies have been saved from abortion since the program's inception in 2004, according to data from participating pregnancy medical clinics. The Colorado Springs-based Focus provides grants for ultrasound machines and professional sonography training to clinics that support women carrying babies to term. The program aims to serve women in communities with high rates of abortions. Now, I don't wanna assume anything because this article and their website doesn't state it. So I have no idea how they even advertise this supposed OUP program. I know that in some places there's been like the vans with the save the storks plastered on the side stuff and these anti-abortion activists persuade pregnant people to come into their vans and get a free sonogram. The Colorado Independent states, depending on whom you ask, it's either a compassionate interaction marked by concern or the kind of creepy stranger run-in parents warn their children against every day. The interaction was staged as part of a promotional video for Save the Storks, a Colorado Springs-based nonprofit that teams with anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers to place interceptors and sonogram vans outside abortion clinics. The company has so far partnered with centers in Texas and New Jersey. There's no Save the Storks van on the streets of Colorado yet, perhaps partly because intercepting a woman on the street outside an abortion clinic as depicted in the video would likely violate Colorado's bubble law passed in 1993 and upheld in a series of court battles that ended with the 2000 Supreme Court ruling Hill v. Colorado affirming its constitutionality. Since Focus on the Family is based in Colorado, maybe this bubble law is what's keeping them from actually going out in vans and telling pregnant people to keep their baby. I have absolutely no idea and I don't wanna speculate, but oh, well, kind of, because in 2009, Save the Storks partnered with Focus on the Family. So I guess it's pretty safe to say that Focus on the Family does condone this kind of behavior after all. Offering help and being transparent with your message is one thing, but in articles argue that Save the Storks actually lures in unsuspecting mothers with their presentation. Colorado Times recorder states, the Colorado Springs-based anti-abortion organization Save the Storks is trumpeting a remodel of one of their mobile pregnancy centers, which offers free services, including ultrasounds and pregnancy tests out of vans parked outside strategic locations like abortion clinics and college campuses. The new so-called rap features an Instagram-worthy photo of an adventurous-looking young woman smiling and gazing out over a mountain landscape. And it's all part of the Save the Storks marketing scheme to appeal to millennials who might be pregnant and considering abortion. It's a thinly veiled attempt at masking their mission of preventing as many abortions as possible, often by misleading and guilt-tripping women. Planned Parenthood employee turned anti-abortion activist, Abby Johnson, sums up their marketing strategy best in lifesitenews.com article. Save the Storks has a trendy, relevant marketing approach that appeals to young women, Johnson is quoted as saying. Every pro-life organization in this country would strive to better connect with the demographic they're trying to reach. Save the Storks has done just that. If focus on the family is about abortions, fine. That's their right to be, even if I don't think they're right. But this marketing strategy from Save the Storks, who again is endorsed by them, is questionable. You shouldn't have to lure and trick people into talking into you about like keeping your baby. Just be honest and open and conversational. These trendy raps that don't make their message clear really leave a bad taste in my mouth and it is really deceptive. One Republican politician, Michelle Bachman, even claimed that, quote, When women who were undecided about having an abortion were shown an ultrasound image of their baby, 78% chose life, end quote. And said Focus on the Family was her source for this. Focus on the Family was quick to correct her and said that they never made those claims. So at least Focus on the Family isn't publishing articles like that, even though some would argue their efforts are a waste of time anyway. 
Apparently, even those that do continue to have an ultrasound typically continue on with their choice. The statistics didn't waver for those confident in their decision and for those that were uncertain, the majority difference was about 2% at best. So I'm not saying that this is a completely wasted effort of focus on the family and save the storks part, but if they're trying to prevent abortions, I've got to question their statistics about having prevented 100,000 abortions. I just feel like they're exaggerating their importance here. However, this isn't the only time that focus on the family's anti-abortion tactics have been, well, like questionable to say the very least. Tim Tebow participated in an anti-abortion advertisement with focus on the family to air on Super Bowl Sunday back in 2010. ABC's article read, I know some people won't agree with it, said Tebow of the 30-second ad at a press conference in Mobile, Alabama on Sunday in preparation for next weekend's Senior Bowl. But I think they can at least respect that I stand up for what I believe. I've always been very convicted of his views on abortion because that's the reason I'm here, because my mom was a very courageous woman. Tebow has long been open about his strong Christian beliefs and family values. Focus on the family says the ad will highlight the theme, celebrate family, celebrate life. The major television networks have previously declined to air polarizing advocacy ads. In 2004, CBS and its competitors rejected an ad by the United Church of Christ, welcoming gays and others who may have felt snubbed by more conservative churches. At the time, CBS was heavily criticized. It says that in recent months, it has run more issue-orientated advertising as ones for healthcare. The ad would not be the first spot purchased by Focus on the Family. In 2005, the group purchased an ad spot during the show Super Nanny. At the time, the group said that the show was all about Focus on the Family principles. It was boundaries and using the timeout chair, respect for authority and good parenting skills, said Jim Daly, the group president and CEO. This ad is frankly offensive, said Aaron Matson, the action vice president of the National Organization for Women, speaking of the Tebow commercial. It is hate masquerading as love. It sends a message that abortion is always a mistake. So here's the thing. I did watch the ad and I expected to find it horribly offensive, but I won't lie. And I don't know, like, I'm not sure if maybe I just didn't get it or whatever, but I just didn't really see it as a full-on anti-abortion ad. I thought it was really subtle. Even though I don't agree with the stance, I still think for what it was, like they weren't in your face, like what the people who stand in front of a Planned Parenthood do. Like you, I'm sure you guys have seen the TikTok videos about it. Like these people are nuts. And it, this just wasn't it. Tebow's mother says that he was her miracle baby who almost didn't make it. And she still worries about his health. And that's really about it. It's pretty basic. And I don't disagree with Matson. It does send a message that abortion is a mistake, but that's only if you know it's about abortion at all. I'm not trying to excuse what they've done here because it's still shady to kind of hide the message in the words, he's my miracle baby. However, what I found far more offensive was their YouTube video entitled, See the Little Girl Saved by the Tebow Super Bowl Commercial. This implies that mothers who abort are always wrong, always hurting children, and that not aborting will be the best decision regardless of the situation they're in. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great that it worked out for this mother and she feels she did what's best for her and her daughter, but the implications, the you're missing out on an amazing child in parenthood, like not everyone's gonna feel that way. I wish their promotional materials weren't so obviously biased like this and talked about other alternatives rather than just sending the message that like you're weak or a bad person for having an abortion. All this is shady enough, but it is unsurprisingly gonna get worse. In recent years, Focus on the Family also supports Christian crisis pregnancy centers. They provide grants to these places also known as pregnancy resource centers. And this I'd say is worse than the vans and the advertisements. 
The Journal of Ethics states, CPCs, sometimes known as pregnancy resource centers, pregnancy care centers, pregnancy support centers, or simply pregnancy centers, are organizations that seek to intercept women with unintended or crisis pregnancies who might be considering abortion. Their mission is typically to prevent abortions by persuading women that abortion or parenting is a better option. What might not be immediately apparent to someone seeking help at a CPC is that these centers take a distinct anti-abortion approach to pregnancy in that unintended or crisis pregnancies have two viable options, adoption or parenting. Multiple undercover or secret shopper surveys of CPCs and detailed reviews of the center's promotional materials and websites reveal that these centers give the impression of being medical clinics or having medical expertise. CPCs, as a rule, not only discourage abortion, but also refuse to provide referrals to abortion clinics, although they often provide counseling about dangers associated with premarital sexual activity. Women who visit CPCs typically do not realize that they are not in an abortion clinic and are surprised to find that abortion is not considered an option at these centers. They strive to appear as sites offering clinical services and unbiased advice. Lay volunteers who are not licensed clinicians at CPCs often wear white coats and see women in exam rooms. They also purport to provide medical advice on a variety of issues, including sexually transmitted infections, early pregnancy, and abortion. Because centers are sometimes located close to abortion clinics and have names and logos similar to nearby abortion clinics, women could mistakenly seek care there rather than at the intended clinic. They also seek to target women who are most likely to seek an abortion, particularly low-income women and women of color. These strategic practices appear designed to mislead abortion clinic clients. Now I could go on and keep talking about how much CPCs piss me off all day and all night, honestly. The Journal of Ethics also goes into how shady this is and how they barely toe the line of not being illegal. Because yes, practicing medicine without a license is a crime, but these clinics are so careful to not do that and instead just simply push their agenda. One woman stated that when she tried to leave, the person working the sonogram machine, Penny, pushed it further onto her stomach. She states that she had to physically remove Penny's hand from her stomach. The voice message of Penny talking to her was pretty damn telling too, because all this woman did was seek help. She was lied to, tricked, and all the White Rose Women's Center, one of these CPCs, seems to be in the habit of doing just that. When Vice called to test them and ask for the cost of an abortion, they said they couldn't quote a price over the phone and it's their policy to have people come in, when White Rose knows full well that they don't offer that. These CPCs walk that fine line between misleading and downright illegal. Again, I could go on and on about this all day and why I think it's despicable, but I wanna get back to focusing on focus on the family. The point that I'm trying to make here is that focus on the family supports these types of organizations, even though they're notorious for this type of trashy behavior. Although all this was definitely controversial for focus on the family, what we're about to get into next, I'd say is something they've mishandled even more. Focus on the family is against gay marriage and Dobson, when he was the chairman, spoke out against it at rallies. The Southern Poverty Law Center, a civil rights and hate group monitoring organization I've mentioned before, technically says that Focus on the Family is not a hate group because they only oppose homosexuality on strictly religious grounds. Even so, one 2010 article from SPLC about their stance was pretty telling. It reads, For the last few days, an educational analyst for Focus on the Family has been getting a lot of press. She's been suggesting that anti-bullying efforts that draw attention to the harassment of lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender students are part of the gay agenda to sneak homosexuality lessons into classrooms. 
One can argue, as some have, that Focus on the Family is a fringe group that doesn't represent the majority of Christians in the United States. That's true. But it also is true that Focus on the Family has an outsized impact on conservatives throughout this country. And by using deception and spin, the group has managed this week to grab the media spotlight. The goal is apparently to make schools less safe for LGBT students and more safe for their harassers. That cannot be ignored. It's also impossible to ignore Focus on the Family's smarmy tactics. Taking a page out of George Orwell, the group has developed a website for parents designed to challenge the monopoly. They've named it truetolerance.org. Sound familiar? And okay, I get so tired of hearing groups like Focus on the Family say that there's some hidden gay agenda and acting like the LGBTQ community is trying to turn the world gay or some shit. Like, it's just not the case. Like the community is about awareness, equality, celebrating openness about sexual orientation, like all that stuff. There's no hidden gay agenda here. If members of the LGBTQ community want to be mentioned in lessons, it's probably because, you know, we're people too. And, you know, stop erasing us. Even if SPLC can't technically define Focus on the Family as a hate group, at the very least, they're hateful. Focus on the Family has even taken things a step further and purposely misrepresented research to make it appear as if same-sex parents don't make good parents. One source in 2006 reads, Members of a group supporting parental rights for gays and lesbians accused Focus on the Family founder, James Dobson, of manipulating research data to say gays and lesbians are not good parents and began a 65 mile march Monday to confront him at his Colorado Springs headquarters. A Focus on the Family official denied the allegation. Soul Force executive director, Jeff Lutz said, Dobson's statements have brought rejection and ridicule on gay and lesbian parents and the group wants him to stop. That misinformation has real tragic results. It makes living for families like ours much more difficult. We are rejected sometimes by loved ones. We are shunned by churches and we are discriminated against in every state in this country, Lutz said at a rally before the march. Judith Stacy, a sociologist at New York University said her work was manipulated in an attempt to show gays and lesbians do not make good parents. This is a direct misrepresentation of the research, she said. Focus on the Family spokesperson Glenn Stanton cited other research, including an article co-authored by Mary Park, a policy analyst at the Center for Law and Social Policy that shows that children need a mother and a father, regardless of the parent's sexual orientation. When the sociologist that did said research is calling Focus on the Family out, like that's how you know they messed up. This to me proves that Focus on the Family isn't just any other Christian organization promoting their values. They're manipulating and twisting scientific data to fit the narrative and harming people in the process. Multiple news sources justifiably came at them for this. And one educational psychologist, Carol Gilligan, said they twisted and distorted her research and told them to cease and desist from quoting her work in the future. Her exact words were, I am writing to ask that you cease and desist from quoting my research in the future. I was mortified to learn that you had distorted my work this week in a guest column in which you wrote in Time Magazine. Not only did you take my research out of context, you did so without my knowledge to support discriminatory goals that I do not agree with. What you wrote was not truthful and I ask you refrain from ever quoting me again and that you apologize for twisting my work. From what I understand, this is not the first time you have manipulated research in pursuit of your goals. This practice is not in the best interest of scientific inquiry, nor does bearing false witness serve your purpose of furthering morality and strengthening the family. Finally, there is nothing in my research that would lead you to draw the stated conclusions you did in the Time article. 
my work in no way suggests same gender families are harmful to children or can't raise these children to be as healthy and well-adjusted as those brought up in traditional households. I trust that this will be the last time my work is cited by Focus on the Family, Gilligan said in closing. If Focus on the Family wants to keep this act up, then they should rename themselves to TDF, tearing down families instead. This serves absolutely no purpose other than to hurt the gay community, only making it harder for same-sex couples to adopt and questioning their parenting skills. It's absolutely disgusting and Focus on the Family should be ashamed of themselves. Messing up how you've interpreted data on accident is one thing and I've absolutely done that. I'm sure many of you have done it too. But when it's like this, when it's purposeful, manipulative, and it happened on multiple occasions, then I don't really know what you say about that one. Like literally they took the nearly 100% opposite conclusion of what the study was actually saying. Like, how did you get to that conclusion? Like, were we looking at the same study? Cause I don't think we were. Dobson didn't just state an opinion that he believes a parent needs a woman and a man as parents. He explicitly stated that gay couples aren't suitable parents. So first of all, has he ever never heard of single moms or single dads? Like if so, what if a parent has a child that dies? Would they advocate for taking that child away from their mother or father because the other partner is dead? There's literally no evidence to that mindset, none whatsoever. And it really angers me that Focus on the Family would spew lies and promote this type of agenda, yet they say there's the gay agenda to raise awareness to homosexuality in schools. Like it's just, it's bold of them to do such a thing. And worse yet, they didn't just misrepresent data about LGBTQ parents, but LGBTQ teens as well. Now, don't misunderstand, LGBTQ teens are at a greater risk for depression and suicide. One study showed gay and lesbian teens are about 3.7 times more likely to attempt suicide than heterosexual teens, at least as of 2018. While the outside world can have a negative impact, there are factors that can ameliorate it, said Dana Rofi, an associate professor of psychiatry and pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. There are protective factors such as having support from family, a safe school environment, and a safe supported work environment, as well as access to psychological and medical care, Rofi said. But focus on the family didn't take the information that way. One Canadian researcher, Dr. Elizabeth Sawick, who was studying this risk says focus on the family took her research and blamed an increased risk of suicide attempts on quote, pro-gay advocates who tell lesbians they were born gay and must embrace homosexuality. One source states, In June, 2006, Focus on the Family grossly distorted a study by this Canadian researcher that showed teenage lesbians had a higher rate of suicide attempts. Unconscionably, Melissa Fryer, the spokesperson for Focus on the Family, blamed gay activists for causing the deaths, saying that teaching self-acceptance caused the young woman to be suicidal. Regrettably, they think they have to embrace homosexuality because pro-gay advocates told them they were born gay, said Fryer. This interpretation of the data baffled Dr. Sawick, who conducted the study. Nothing in the brief results we presented or in our overall study could lead to such conclusions, she said, after Truth Wins Out contacted her and showed her how Focus on the Family portrayed her study results. Population surveys cannot determine cause and effect. They can only suggest possible links. Even so, other researchers have not found these sorts of links and neither have we. The Canadian press, a wire service, interviewed Sawick and she expressed further alarm on how her scholarly work had suddenly ended up as a culture war fodder. The research has been hijacked for somebody's political purposes or ideological purposes, and that's worrisome. 
And this is why that message from earlier really starts to just dig under my skin. How their current president and CEO says, oh, we were hateful, but we want to be better. They went so beyond hateful and literally blamed deaths of suicidal lesbian teenagers on gay activists. And think about that sentence for just a moment, like really drink that one in. It's disgusting, isn't it? And as we've seen, it's far from the first time they've done it. Elizabeth Research linked the suicide rate to LGBTQ teens being harassed, discriminated against, and closeting, but okay, focus on the family. Sure, you just wanna come up with something new, I guess. Making up stuff is not scientific, just for the record. But anyway, this has me just a bit heated, so this is where I'm gonna place today's advertisement so I can just take a moment to yell into the void. So I'll be right back. When the weather gets warmer, the last thing I wanna do is be all sweaty in my kitchen cooking over a flaming hot stove. No, thank you. But also I don't exactly want to order takeout for every meal either. And that's why I'm still obsessed with Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers delicious harvest bowls, flatbread smoothies, and more built on organic fruits and vegetables right to your door. It literally takes minutes to prepare. And I love knowing that the food I'm eating is actually good for me too. And Daily Harvest never uses any preservatives, added sugars, or artificial anything. And my personal summer favorite right now is the Daily Harvest Scoops. It's their plant-based ice cream, which that is so damn delicious. And I realize this might be a controversial statement, but I love pistachio ice cream and they have a pistachio and hazelnut crunch ice cream. And when I am telling you this is God's treat delivered to my door, like I absolutely mean it, but there's a ton of other amazing flavors, but I am pistachio obsessed. So if you wanna stay cool, calm and collected during the summer heat, make sure to go to dailyharvest.com and enter code casket to get $25 off your first box. That's code casket for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com, dailyharvest.com. This episode is also sponsored by Babbel. This summer, get the most out of your travels abroad by learning the language of your destination with Babbel, the number one selling language learning app. From ordering in restaurants to asking for directions to gaining a deeper understanding of the culture you're about to immerse yourself in, Babbel makes the whole process of learning a new language addictively fun and easy. With bite-sized lessons you can actually use in the real world, Babbel is a can't-miss travel essential, which, you know, finally we're able to do that again slowly. I am hoping to God that sometime next year, I'll be able to go back to Bella Napoli in Southern Italy and I need to absolutely refresh on my Italian. Something weird happens to me when I go out there and I pick it back up, but that's like back when I used to learn Italian was like very strong with the Neapolitan slang. So I'm trying to like kind of correct myself a little bit. So I don't sound totally weird as like an American with an Americanized accent using Neapolitan slang in Italy while clearly on vacation. I I just feel like that's a little bit messy looking. So I'm trying to fix myself with Babbel. And Babbel has just 15 minute lessons that really make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go in just quick little like time spurts. And I really like that they're like 15 minutes or less. And of course, unlike infamous language classes that you may have taken in high school, Babbel designs their courses with practical real world conversations in mind with things that you'll actually use in conversation. Right now, when you purchase a three month Babbel subscription, you'll get an additional three months for free. So that's six months for the price of three. Just go to babbel.com and use promo code casket. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com code casket for an extra three months for free. (laughs) 
All right, cool, so we're back. Now, although I'd say we're through the worst of it, there's still some smaller things that I think we still need to address here. And by smaller, I'm not saying that they're not as important, simply that there's just less to say. Apparently, as of 2014, Focus on the Family started claiming that they were in fact a church. They reported a massive budget of $89 million, but they said they shouldn't have to pay taxes because I guess they're a church now because, well, they said so. And I guess, you know, their organization is religious, but you know, that doesn't make them a church. The Right Wing Watch article was from a source that as the name suggests, tries to take down right-wing activist groups and quote, fight right-wing activism and defend constitutional values. Meanwhile, Christian Post says that Paul Batura, vice president of communications for Focus on the Family, told the Christian Post that the news stories on their reclassification as a church give sinister and fictitious motives to our application. Batura explained that the main reason for the reclassification was to protect the identities of donors to the conservative Christian organization. In recent years, there have been several occasions in which nonprofit organizations were targeted for information, including the names and personal details of their donors. In order to protect our constituents' privacy and because Focus does in fact meet the definition of a church under IRS regulations, we applied for and received this designation, said Betura. After reading both sides, I just blame the IRS for giving them the designation. It doesn't seem to fit for Focus on the Family and I've got no idea how the hell they became classified as such. I mean, honestly, it seems so easy that like, maybe I should make a church just for like the shits and giggles, like the, the fucking church of pyramids or something like the church of triangles. Like we only worship the holiest shape, which is the triangle. Like, I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, as of the past few years, the organization's board are its elders. The radio program is an extension of its congregation. Jim Daly is the head deacon and leader. Like it, it's kind of shitty, but I think you get the idea of what they kind of tried to do. I don't have any patience for that and we're just gonna keep moving along. I think it's scummy and a story there. You can have a different opinion, that's cool, that was mine. Now, there's no point in arguing with them, church, charity, business, whatever the heck, my feelings don't change. Anyway, around the same time Focus on the Family was making up these lies about teenage suicide, they were also supporting anti-Semitic views in celebrities. Mel Gibson has been called an anti-Semite a ton of times now, like way too many times for this to be a comfy topic. Maybe if it's once or twice, maybe there was a mistake in some growing pains, but like, it's kind of like an open secret at this point. He even asked Winona Ryder if she was an oven dodger. Ryder, by the way, is Jewish. Uh, I didn't even know you could say that. I didn't even know that was like a quote, like what the fuck? Well, anyway, in 2006, he was pulled over for drunk driving and apparently launched into this anti-Semitic rant towards the deputy. He said that the Jews are responsible for all the wars in the world and asked the deputy if he was a Jew. And that's pretty indefensible, right? Well, no, uh, we haven't forgotten that Mel Gibson portrayed Jesus in The Passion of the Christ because Dobson at the time was kissing this man's butt so hard over that movie that he probably just forgot to condemn that behavior, right? One source says that multiple Christian leaders felt this way at the time, defending Mel Gibson's behavior because he was Jesus in a movie. Like, do you realize it was a movie, right? Like he's not Jesus, right? Like we know, we know that. They know that Mel Gibson playing Jesus is no excuse for being a shitty person, but I guess that's just a, a, a me thing, not a general consensus here because they didn't really seem to feel that way. Focus on the Family also has an adoption program called Wait No More, which has the fantastic goal of getting kids into homes and out of foster care. But with their attitudes towards same-sex couples being parents, I don't trust them at all to be part of the adoption system. 
Also, since about 2011, they've had this thing called a day of dialogue, which says it's all about how Christian students should be the first to stand up against bullying and exercising free speech rights. This used to be known as a day of truth and was created in support by the ADF or Alliance Defending Freedom. And they were an entirely separate, terrible episode, but they're nearly as hateful as Focus on the Family. But it's a little terrifying and unsurprising to find that those two are working together. Naturally, as is the case with a lot of these organizations, Focus on the Family has also been heavily involved in supporting Republican candidates. The reason I'm not getting too deep into this is because I just wanna focus on their specific misdeeds as an organization, as opposed to all their beliefs I don't agree with, because that's a way longer episode. However, I will say that their campaign called Letter from 2012 in Obama's America was pretty damn pathetic. Apparently, they tried to paint Obama in the worst possible light and stated that if he became president, there would be terrorist strikes on American cities, Russia rolling into Eastern Europe, Israel hit by a nuclear bomb, gay marriage legal in every state, and the end of Boy Scouts. I mean, hey, I'll give them this. They were right about one thing. Gay marriage is legal in every state, finally. Boy Scouts is definitely suffering, but deservedly so because of all the molestation they tried to cover up. As for everything else, it certainly sounds like some desperate, desperate fear-mongering. And of course, last but not least, their Singapore branch has been labeled ineffective at best and sexist at worst. One source writes, the facilitators of the controversial relationship workshop conducted at Hua Chong Institution, HCI, were ineffective and were not able to address objections raised by the students. This was the conclusion of an internal investigation of the program by the school, which is now planning to design its own workshops. In a circular sent to all students and teachers yesterday, HCI principal Han Chiu Wang, the male facilitator in particular, was not able to address students' concerns satisfactorily when they had objected to various viewpoints. The workshop had come under scrutiny when 17-year-old Hua Chong student Agatha Tan criticized it in an open letter to her principal. She had attended the workshop in school last Friday and said a booklet that was distributed to the students had emphasized and enforced gender stereotypes. The workshop was run by external vendors focused on the Family Singapore, a pro-family Christian charity, which said the workshop aims to help young people understand the opposite sex. The charity is appointed by the Ministry of Social and Family Development to conduct relationship workshops in schools. The workshop, which started in 2009, will conclude by the end of the year. In his note, Dr. Han acknowledged that the booklet was a source of unhappiness among students. He was disappointed that the vendor had sent someone who was unable to address the concerns of the students. The school had engaged focus on the family Singapore previously and students had given positive feedback. All in all, I'm kind of struggling to find anything positive about focus on the family. Promoting biblical values is one thing, but manipulating research, pressuring pregnant people to keep their child regardless of what might be right for them, blaming teenage suicides on LGBTQ advocates and all of the other things we discussed today are what make focus of the family so upsetting. They didn't just create some animosity. They've been the source of pain and frustration for a lot of people. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode. I hope you, I don't know, enjoyed it, learned something new for sure. If you did, make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing so that you can stay up to date on all the recent episodes, just like this one. And if you wanna connect with me outside of these episodes, make sure you click my Linktree link. It's in the description box and it's going to just pull up a big list of all my social media and other projects and things that I'm involved in. So thank you all so much for enjoying another episode of The Corporate Casket and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.